Okay, I have a parable of my own. Here it is. You are leaving the grocery store and your shopping cart is filled with life's necessities. As a matter of fact, it's overflowing from life's necessities. You know, like uh, bottled water, bread, laundry detergent, um, big, huge bags of snack chips, um, chicken nuggets for the kids, um, few ribeyes for you, you know, life's necessities. It's, just, it's overpacked, you can barely push it. Ah, oh, you're big, all right, overflowing. Next to you is a family, and they have the same size shopping cart, but there's a lot more air in it because the only thing they have in their shopping cart is a family that's kind of has raggedy looking clothes on, and uh, they have one loaf of bread, two bags of rice, and three cans of pre-made sloppy joe mix. That's all they could afford. You look at their cart and you look at them and, and you just have, it's kind of somewhat a feeling of compassion, uh, but, but either, like, like there's pity, like you feel sorry for them, like that's too bad they're so poor and they can't fill up their grocery cart more. And interestingly, you don't know this, but if you could read their mind, they're looking at you and they feel sorry for you because you feel sorry for them. They are so happy and so satisfied and, and so full of life, their family. They, they have everything that they need, but, but you're looking at them as if they didn't. And then there's a guy that, that pulls right up next to you. It's your $453 a month payment SUV, and it's their beat up, rusty, uh, old, Chevy van that barely runs, and uh, the guy in a, a delivery truck, and he pulls in right next to the two of you, and he pulls open the back door, and he's got big screen TVs that he's giving away to the first five people that come and get one. And you are thinking, I would love a big screen TV. And they're thinking, I would love a big screen TV, except you don't get one. You know why? There's no room in your cart. But there's room in theirs. God has blessings that he is just waiting to give us, but we're not ready for them. And you know why? Because there's no room in our heart. There's no room in our heart. Would you be willing to clear your heart of some clutter today and make room for God? I mean, can you... Be brave enough to say, I need to work at letting some stuff go so that there's less goods in my life and even less greed along with it, and there's more God. Can you be greedy for God? Do you want to know what that looks like? Okay. I just needed one. The rest of you, you'll suffer through it. All right. So Jesus is, uh, <laughs> Jesus is going to tell us a bit about that, and, uh, and I, I, I'm using that title on purpose. There's a little, huh? Yeah, right, greedy? We're not supposed to be greedy. I get it. But when you're greedy for God, it's not a sinful kind of greed. All right, so let's see what that, see what that means. And I'm going to read this parable of Jesus from Luke chapter 12. 
beginning at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter, a mediator, between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. All right, so he has a lesson for them to back it up. Now he tells them a story, a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus wraps it up by saying this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So we have this greedy guy in the middle of a financial fight. Right? Jesus, solve this. Right? My brother and I are dividing up the inheritance, and I need you to step in. Because he's not doing it the way that it should be done. Right? Jesus, my... Help me divide the inheritance for my brother. And he's, I think he would come to Jesus because he's assuming that Jesus is going to be on his side, right? If he thought his, Jesus would be on his brother's side, he's not going to go to Jesus. So he's assuming that Jesus is going to be on his side. And you think Jesus is on his side? Doesn't sound like it. So Jesus tells him this parable about a greedy guy, the farmer. We don't know what, what the man to whom Jesus told this parable, we don't know what happened after the parable. It just ends. But it would seem like it maybe didn't go so well. That's a presumption. But I mean, do you think that this guy, this greedy guy in the middle of a financial fight that wanted Jesus on his side, do you think that he saw in the parable that Jesus was giving a picture of another greedy guy, and that was him? I hope so. Now, here's the difficulty about this parable, the biggest challenge. It's not understanding. It's very easy to understand the parable. The difficulty, the challenge, is seeing that the greedy guy in the parable is you. Because I'm reading this and we're all thinking, <laughs> right, that, that, that greedy guy over there sure needs to hear this. Woo! Our, our church would have a cross on top of it right now if everybody else gave, gave money. Like, and, and God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Because that's why Jesus tells us parables, so we put ourselves in them. And, and he wants us to be in this parable. Um, and so, The greedy guy in the parable is not a demented villain. It's a good man trying to make a good income. It's a good farmer. And the greedy guy in the parable is not 
some ultra-rich billionaire like Elon Musk, who are just like, that's not me. I'm not even in, on that planet. That's, that's just not me. That's, that's not who the greed again the parable is. Greed again the parable is pretty much like average, everyday American. That's you and me. And Jesus puts it like this. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Who should be on whose guard? You be on your guard. Not Tom, not Dick, not Mary. You be, be on your guard. Uh, here, globally, I, ran, I, I looked for statistics, and globally, how many pairs of shoes does the average person in the world, this is global, how many pairs of shoes does the average person in the world own? Who says one, one through five, the range, that range? One through five, hands, okay. Uh, six through 10, few. Uh, 10 through 20, all right, 50% of you said one through five. 50% said 5 through 10, 50%, or, uh, 25% said, I'm terrible at math, 50% said 1 through 5, 25% said 6 to 10, 25% said higher. Seven. The global average is seven. Now, I get you're, you're thinking, wow, there's some in the undeveloped countries that don't have, two, they just have one. I know, but guess what? The rest of us, right, balance it out. Thank Thankfully, us Americans help balance that out. What's the American statistic? The average American, not seven, 19. Average American owes 19 pair of shoes. And I'm thinking about my laundry basket and my shoes. I'm like, if I go out to my garage and I, there are about five pair of yard shoes out there, and then I have two pair of baseball cleats that I never use, and then I go, uh, right, go into my closet and count my boots, and I have motorcycle boots and cowboy boots, and I go into the closet, the bedroom, and count my sneakers, and then my dress shoes, and I even have shoes I haven't worn in years, and I, I probably have 24. I won't tell you how many care I have. <laughs> how many pair of shoes do I need? So we're greedy for shoes the same way the farmer was greedy for more crops. And we think that more shoes and more food and bigger cars and bigger 401ks and busier calendars and more sports, more bigger TVs, more shows, we we don't see ourselves greedily thinking that's what life is about. Like the farmer. It almost seems unfair. Like, wow, he had more crops and he built more barns to store more crops. What's wrong with that? It almost seems like, wow, God, you called him a fool for creating storage? But it's not it's not the merchandise that's the problem. It's what he thinks about the merchandise. It, it's, it's not the SUV and the 401k. And it's, it, that's not the problem. My shoes are not the problem. But it's what I think shoes will do for me. That, that's the problem. That's yours. 
And we think that's life, and, and the Bible actually says the opposite. It says Colossians 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, because of greed, the wrath of God is coming. Greed doesn't get us closer to God. And the ways of the world to look at merchandise don't get us closer to God. They, they get us farther away from God. And he puts that in the Bible for a reason. It's a warning. And he wants us to listen. Be on your guard. Let yourself say, yeah, I'm the guy in the parable, and I want to I learn something. Jesus, what can you teach me about greed? And so he puts this rich farmer in there to say, hey, be careful of being richer in greed so that you're poorer in God. Be careful of a life that says, wow, I've been blessed with seven t-shirts instead of one. I want to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. There's a name for that. You know what that is? Starts with an H. Hedonism. Hedonism. H-E-D-O-N. Hedonism. It's eat, let, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what life is about. It's a big party. Let's party while we can. That's a hedonistic attitude. Instead of, wow, God, you've really blessed me with more t-shirts and shoes and more of my 401k than I truly need. Wow, God, you're so good. God, what do you want me to do with this? And I want to be greedy for God in that way. It ends up, the parable, the guy, the greedy farmer, God calls a fool. You cannot backpack through the mountains carrying your big screen TV, I'm sorry. It's only one of you will make it. You, you can't, it's not possible for both of you to make it. And so, now, here's what some of you say. Wow, okay, I can't backpack through the mountains with a big screen TV, and so I don't, I'll just get an all-terrain vehicle. And then on that all-terrain vehicle, I can fit my big screen TV and an air conditioner and all the drinks that I want. God bless you. you. You certainly can. But guess what? You are not going to be on the trails that go miles back to see the sights that only the people see who aren't carrying a big screen TV. So take your pick. Do you want to just stay on the interstates of the world and watch billboards and call that a vacation? You can do that. That's, that ain't no sin. But don't say that you've experienced the rivers and streams and beauty of God's creation that are only available if you're not in the all-terrain vehicle carrying an air conditioner. That's all right. You can do that, but just don't say that's life because it's not. That's why God calls the rich farmer a fool. He thinks it's how he looks at his grain, he, uh, what he thinks it'll get him. It, it, it's time for our lives to consist not in greed for goods, but in greed for God, right? So I'm using that greed feeling and aspect to say that that very sense that you get, it's an appetite, it's a lust. Ah, man, I need one more gun. Okay, that, that feeling. Do I have that? Do I feel about God like that? I want to. And I want to have that, that feeling about him. I'm greedy for him. I want to be addicted to Jesus. 
So let's look about how, what, what that looks like. Um, this, this was a, a, a statement that came to me in one of my devotions this last week, and it was perfect. It was God saying, Darren, this is for you. This is for the sermon on Sunday. I listened. Here it is. This is these are not my words. They're, they're very wise. Here's what they say. The real measure of our wealth is not, is, the real measure of our wealth is how much we would be worth if we lost our money. So, the greedy farmer in Jesus' parable, he, he, he lost all his stuff. If he were to lose all his grain, do you know what he would have? All that he would have would be himself. That's it. And Jesus is saying, I, I don't want you to be in that place. I don't want where the, all you have if you lose your wealth is yourself. And we know he was thinking about himself because it, as Jesus is, is letting us into his mind today, he's thinking, what should I do with all this grain? I, I counted them. The personal pronoun I occurs six times in his little thought bubble, what should I do with the grain? The personal pronoun I, six times. The possessive pronoun my occurs another five times. That's 11 total. That's his internal monologue as we hear his thoughts. He came upon outrageous, outrageous abundance of wealth and all he could think about was himself. Don't talk to a financial advisor. Don't, don't, ask a, don't talk to a banker. Don't ask God. Don't pray. It's all mine. You know, they say that you can't take it with you. But it's also true. It will take you with it. And that's what happened to this man. Any of you go shopping yesterday? Anyone go to H-E-B or Home Depot yesterday or Costco? Did you see the crazy people? Whew. My, uh, my wife, Carol, was in line at H-E-B for 40 minutes, and, uh, and we were expecting it. We knew it would be busy. It's okay. And she was patient and everything, but... Um, I went to Home Depot too. They, yeah, the, right. I hear. I heard about the crazy people. Right. They have. They have two shopping carts per person. Four people in their family. Eight total shopping carts. They empty the aisles of water bottles and of bread. And right. And they're like, ah, oh, there's a storm coming. Let's hoard. Let's. Crazy people. But maybe, one of those crazy people, had an elderly parent at home. And if the power went out, their elderly parent might die if they didn't have eight gallons of applesauce. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that family had 10 foster children all under the age of 15. Who are you to judge? Who are you to say? Maybe. So how about we be a little careful in our judgment of others that reflects our own greed and our own misunderstanding while we fill our hearts full of stuff that gets in the way of God. Sometimes we just don't see that. I love you enough to help you see it this morning. God also showed me a Far Side cartoon this last week. God must really love me. 
showing me far side cartoons. They're the best. Here was a cartoon. It was two elderly men with glasses and hats, and it looked like they were trying to hunt with tiny guns. And uh, they're hunting frogs. And so one of them is shining his flashlight, and the flashlight beam is right, shining right at the frog, and the frog is sitting there like this. And, the, and this guy is saying, who's shining his beam on the frog, he's saying, hey, Hal, I figured it out. All we have to do is blind them in the eyes, and then we can trap them, and they don't know it. Hal is behind him, looking up into the sky like this, and there's a big beam of light coming from some predator, right? Someone that's caught Hal and see, right? We don't, we don't see, we don't see. Jesus is saying, I want to help you see. So the parable ends actually on a sad note, and and I want to find encouragement and hope in it for you, and so here it is. We've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the parable to find that there is hope, there is encouragement, and there is love and grace and lots of God, and lots of Jesus, but we have to go back before the, the rich farmer made his mistake. And it's at the beginning, beginning of the parable, verse 16, it says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. That huge harvest didn't just pop out of nowhere. God gave it to him. God gave the sunshine. God gave the rain. God put the nutrients in the soil. God pulled the, the sprouts up from the ground. This is, God makes gardens grow. God gave him abundance. And, and then God wanted that man's abundance of his crops to be used for God, but he wanted more than the crops. God wanted the man's heart. And God was saying, I, I'm giving you seven t-shirts. Here I am. Notice me. I'm giving you 19 49 pair of shoes. Here I am. Notice me. Let's go somewhere with this. Let's do something with this abundance. That's what God was saying to, to this man. And God got, God didn't get his grain, nor did he get his heart. He got neither. Look what God has given us. Closets overstuffed with shoes and clothes cupboards filled with rice and beans and peanut butter and protein snacks and smoked canned oysters. Mm. Cupboards, your cupboards at home are not bare. They are full. Cars filled with gadgets. Like what, these Teslas have like computer screens? They don't even have buttons anymore? You just have a computer screen? Guess what? It's awesome. That is awesome. It is great to be a rich American. It's not wrong. It's not a sin. Don't be walking around slumped over with guilt because we are a rich American and there's people in the world who don't drive Teslas. That's not your fault. God gave you this, this awesome car. If you have 29 guns, good. Oh, thank you. Rejoice. It's not wrong. You can, you can be rich. There are rich people in the Bible. It's not a sin to be rich. Be rich. But make sure that you're rich for God. 
even as a rich American, we can be rich for God, and, and we, can, that's, we want to be greedy for God. How does that look? I want, I want to be closer to God. I want to be closer to Jesus, and I want to use what God has given me for him and for Jesus. What does that look like? I don't always know, but God, God let's figure it out. I want to use it for you, Lord. You gave me the abundance of shoes. God, how do I use my shoes to worship you and to serve you? I'm not really sure, but I think there's someone else at church who has as many shoes as I do, and they maybe know a few things. God, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. God, there's people who, who have only one t-shirt, and I have 14. I need to go find those people, God, so that they have two, and I have 13. Well, that's not that hard, is it? God, I want to give. I want to serve. I want to use what you give to me. What would you be worth if you lost all your money? What would you be worth? As a blessed child of God, I think you would be worth way more than Elon Musk. That's not, that's not a statement about him. That's about you. Right? You, you lose your stuff. You lose your health. You lose your family. You lose your job. If you're not hanging on to it greedily, that won't take you down. And you'll still see how valuable you are to God. Um, there is a, <laughs> this is a seminary professor story. I'm going to finish with the story and then we'll be done. Um, one of my seminary professors, I remember him telling the story. Um, and it has stuck with me. Uh, he, he said, there was a family in the hospital. I was ministering to them. And uh, the, the, pa the patriarch of the family was dying. And uh, he was a very rich millionaire. He had done very well in life, very rich. Kids and grandkids were gathered there. Um, and he knew about this conversation because someone told, some of the family told him later. But uh, the, the old man passed away in the hospital with all the kids and grandkids there. And then the discussion was, how much did he leave? And everyone wanted to know, how much did he leave? And uh, the seminary professor was a pastor at the time. And as he walked in, he heard that statement. How much did he leave? And he said, this is a wise pastor saying, I, have to, I keep it in my pocket. Hopefully I don't have to use it for you. Here's what he said. They didn't want to know how much did he leave. You know what the pastor said? I'm pretty sure he left everything. <laughs> how much has Jesus left us? Everything. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose from the dead, he ascended into the heaven, he's waiting in heaven right now. And when Jesus lived here, how much, how much did he leave on the floor? How much did he leave on the field during this competition of life and he was here? He, how much did he leave? Everything. There was not one more thing that he needed to do to save you. He did it all. And when he died, how many, how many people did he die for? Everyone. And how many sins of all people did he die for? Every sin. When he died, how much did Jesus leave? Jesus left everything when he died. And when he rose from the dead, did he leave any enemy unconquered, undefeated, untaken care of? No. He rose from the dead to say, I am Lord with authority over all things. And he ascended to heaven and he's saying, there's so much up here. 
There's so, you, I can't wait for you to be here with me. You and all believers are going to be here together because guess what? I, I've prepared a room for you. I've prepared a mansion for you. And guess what's in it? Everything. So because Jesus has left you everything, you don't need anything except him. Can you be greedy for God? Say yes. I like it. All right, amen.